Welcome, everyone, to our latest edition of BAMS Radio here on this Sunday. The Alabama Crimson Tide escaped the swamp 31-29. to Dan Mullen now 0-11 against Nick Saban, but his last two opportunities, 52-46 to in the SEC Championship game, and now even closer, 31-29. to Alabama holding on a two-point conversion with just a little over three minutes to go, and then basically running out the clock to escape the swamp. But Alabama now 3-0. and Still number one in the country, and as we know, now 1-0 in the SEC. But certainly uh, a great effort by Florida. Alabama came out strong, was up 21-3 to after the first quarter, but it was a dogfight thereafter. Some concerns on both sides of the football. and uh, But I did think overall, though, the special teams was solid. Uh, but uh, but uh, we're going to discuss it right now tonight for you guys. And, of course, I'm going to be with my usual two cohorts. And that is William Redfish Barger uh, from 89 to 93, a key member of the Crimson Tide and a national champion. And, of course, Thomas the Wizard Watts from the port city of Mobile, who does a great job keeping us here and uh, producing this show and also taking a look at the numbers and the analytics and trying to break down what we saw on Saturday. But going to bring William into the contest. William, uh, in uh, bringing to the show tonight, uh, just a really kind of a strange game with the ebb and flow. I a really good first quarter on both sides of the ball, and then three quarters of uh, some head scratching a little bit. Yeah, you know, and then you don't really know whether that was just a lack of execution, um, maybe you know a lot of youth, um, and and uh, you know maybe you know a combination of both. Um, but it, but it did it did look to me like that the you know the level of intensity disappeared there in the in the second quarter and on both sides of the ball, actually, um, you know, I, I'd say my, my, you know, biggest takeaway from this, you know, outstanding win on the road. I mean, anytime you go into an environment like that it, it, at, the, at the SEC level and can come out of there with a victory, I think that's, you know, something to celebrate. Um, you know, certainly you've got some issues. It's got to be corrected and coached up, but, you know, I, I continue to, be very impressed with Drew Sanders. It's like he gets better every week. And, I um, mean, yeah, I thought he was Mr. Everything yesterday um, on defense for Alabama. Yeah, he made some plays. Definitely uh, that pressure led to the only turnover of the game, the interception by Jalen Armour Davis. And it's funny that both of those were involved in that play, William. If you had to – if you asked me who I was going to give a game ball to defensively, I would probably say – Drew Sanders and Jalen Armour Davis. And I'd, I'd give one to Will Anderson because he played so hard that he was about to fall out at the end of the game. I know some people were concerned he was hurt. He was just gassed due to the environment. He played nearly the entire game defensively and played so many snaps. And uh, once again, uh, you know, uh, did a nice job, uh, you know, pressuring the QB some, playing the run, blowing some plays up, being disruptive. So, I thought those three probably played the best defensively. And Will was getting double teamed a lot. He had to fight through double teams. He played with a lot of effort. And so I'll, I'll give him, you know, big-time kudos for that. It was the first game we didn't see a ton of Fedarian Mathis. He did flash a couple times. Uh, but I think, you know, Florida's offensive line did a pretty good job there. I'll give them credit. Sometimes you have to credit the opponent. I thought Dan Mullen outcoached Nick Saban for three quarters just by staying with it staying with the run. Emory Jones wasn't spectacular, but 
he was good enough. And I'll make a correction on this podcast that I didn't make on Twitter. I, people were asking me, well, why didn't Anthony Richardson play? You know, he's healthy and uh, things of that nature. Uh, but uh, because he did some kind of backflip in the pregame, I thought it was earlier in the season. It turned out it was before the Bama game. But obviously his hamstring, we wondered about it. It wasn't healthy enough. And Dan Mullen referenced that after the game. So Alabama did not have to deal with Anthony Richardson. But Emory Jones, I thought, played his best game of the season. Did a nice job with his legs. I think he had uh, 77 yards rushing. And they rushed for 245 yards. Alabama only with 91 I had to go back and check all that, guys. I had people asking me, when's the last time Alabama didn't have 100 yards rushing in a game? 2007 LSU, they lost 41-34 and didn't come close to 100 yards rushing. But they actually did win a game in South Carolina back in 2019 when they only rushed for, I think, a little under 80 yards. And so Alabama still won that game impressively, 47-23, led by Tua Tungo-Vailoa and those electric wide receivers. But uh, this Alabama team, if you had told me before the game uh, they were going to get outrushed 245 to 91, be out possession, possessed with the ball, and only force one Florida turnover, I probably would have thought that they, this might be the, the uh, chance for an upset. But to Alabama's credit, they found a way to win it in the second half. They had just enough offense to get it done, and now they have to kind of lick their wounds a little bit, go back to work, get ready for Southern Miss. but. William, I wanted to ask you, there's a lot of questions going into the game about the offensive line. It looked like they tried to give Chris Owen some help. He still struggled somewhat. And then it looked like they struggled at the guard spots. I thought it was one of Ekior's poor, you know, probably worst games of his career. Been solid, but he had a couple of big penalties. And the penalties were still, I think they had 11 of them. They've got to start cutting those out. But I thought the O-line struggled for, the majority of the game after the first uh, quarter. What was your thoughts? No, I would agree with that. You could tell there was some, uh, you know, mis mis uh, miscommunications on blitz pickups, and you know they stunned it a lot, and uh, you know, kind of struggled to clean that up. And uh, you know, I, I think at this stage, you know, if you're Bill O'Brien, Doug Marone, and Nick Saban, I mean, I do think you have to you know, have the conversation. Are we asking Chris Owens to do something that he's not capable of doing? Mm. Um, you, you know, and, and we've seen it happen before at Alabama. I mean, I've, I've always kind of gotten a kick out of this. Um, you know, the the Mike Shula, uh, Bama O-line boogeyman, Chris Caps. you know, same thing. Um, you know, Chris Caps would have been a really good offensive guard. He actually made it to the final cut. Um, with the Houston Texans after his senior year as an offensive guard. So, you know, you're not a bum if you can do that. Um, and, and, you know, it might just be a simple case of, you know, they're going to have to, you know, give Latham a chance or, or Rob, uh, uh, George a chance um, and, you know, see, see what they can do. Um, because, you know, that's certainly going to be, you know, outside of Georgia, um, some of the better edge rushers that they're going to see this year. And, you know, you, you saw what happened. Yeah, they really struggled a little bit. And, and, I, and William, I wanted to ask you something because you actually, uh, you know, put on the uniform and you played in this stadium. Uh, you know, oh, I God, know we don't both, bring that memory up. Oh, I, I know. I remember the game. But, but what I was going to ask you about it, though, is 
I, I, you know, but you and I both respect Aaron Suttle so much with his acumen and his football mind. And he tweeted something at the end of the game. He said he gave kudos to the Florida crowd because, you know, he's been on the beat for over a decade and he's been to all these venues. He said this was the loudest crowd he'd ever had to deal with as far as being able to, you know, be, in, be inside the environment and take it all in. It was louder than Auburn, louder than LSU. And I noticed that Alabama was having some trouble checking off some of the offensive linemen were having trouble communicating. You kind of brought that up. They were, there was a lot of times the play clock was going down to one. Talk about that environment and how tough it is to play in the swamp because you, it's somebody that, you know, experienced it yourself. Well, you know, one thing that I did have a benefit of, and, and you know, I think this could have been a factor, um, in, in everybody being gassed in the second half, you know, the only time I ever played down there was a night game. So I didn't have to deal with the heat and the humidity and, and the sunshine. Um, but that, that's from what I've heard, that's a pretty yeah. tough, um, uh, about, you know, halftime, you know, the, the Florida sideline is shaded and, you know, they were out there in the blazing heat and, uh, you know, not that they haven't experienced that in Tuscaloosa, but there's a big difference. But now, you know, back when I was playing, Drew, um, I, I would still have to always say that Neyland Stadium was the loudest. Wow. Now, if, Aaron's only wow. Been on the, if Aaron's only been on the beat for 10 years, he's never seen a good Tennessee team play at home in Neyland Stadium. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, but, I mean, dude, yeah, you uh, your ears would ring for a day, day and a half after after Knoxville. Um, but certainly I would say, you know, the next two after that were, was, you know, cause we, we had some down LSU teams um, in my day as well. But I would say certainly Neyland Stadium was the loudest and then probably the Swamp and, and Jordan-Hare Stadium was the next two. Yeah, they, they and it's just, it was a very tough environment, tough for, I think, Dow Court at times to know the snap count and things of that nature. But to Alabama's credit, they didn't turn the ball over, and I think that's one of the big keys as to why they won the game. Uh, you know, and they were able, and I thought Bryce Young handled himself really well. Uh, you know, I know there's been a lot of conversation, William, about him using his legs and taking off. And one time I wished he would have. I think he would have scored a touchdown to put the game away in the fourth quarter on that second down and goal play. Uh, then they Alabama was stuffed on first and third down and. Was, sl- was slated to go for it on fourth and, you know, and go from the one, but got that penalty, the false start, which may have been a blessing in disguise, led to a Will Reichert field goal to keep the uh, the margin at eight. But uh, I, I just thought overall, when you look at it, I, I was a little bit surprised. Alabama came out and played so well early that they went away from the run uh, in the second quarter, did not make a first down, three straight, three and outs, could have put the game away. And then, uh, and then I, I guess one of the I, this goes back to the youth on this team, William. They did come out in the third quarter and answer a Florida touchdown drive. And when you're up 28-16, and then they make a mental error by giving the ball to you on the backing them up with the one. I thought the game completely changed when Demarco Helms, you know, didn't play sound fundamental football, was late, didn't make the tackle short of the sticks to make Florida punt. And when Florida was able to go 99 yards and score a touchdown. I thought that was the biggest drive in the game that led to this being a four-quarter fight. 
Yeah, and I, I think that might have been the most glaring thing that, that I noticed about the defense yesterday. Once again, the you know, the inside linebackers looked lost in coverage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think as a whole they did a very good job of tackling, yes. um, you know, yesterday. And, 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 you know, in some of the, the instances it was just from a lack of effort. Um, you know, it doesn't take any talent to tackle properly. So, you know, it just – it's just one of those games, but I think if you, you know, put it into perspective and, and you go back and, you know, December or January and hit the rewind button on this season, I mean, you, you, you're going to have, you know, close games like this every year that, you know, puts you in a position for, you know, postseason um, playoffs and stuff. And so, um, like, like we were talking about before we started recording, I mean, Florida gave – last year's Alabama team, all they wanted in that SEC championship game. So, um, you know, we'll just have to see how they respond. You know, it's certainly not the same level of competition this coming weekend that they saw this past Saturday. So, you know, they just need to, you know, clean up the, you know, missed assignments and, and, you know, come out, you know, with a business-like approach and, you know, just trying to get, but keep trying to get better. Well, and I'll say this, and I'm going to bring Thomas into the conversation too right now uh thomas i think also i'll let you give your thoughts on what you saw especially defensively because i know we've all been critical of pete golding but one thing we have figured out now after a third week is my the miami hurricanes are terrible uh they they get blown (laughs) out uh by mel tucker and michigan state who's a a better getting better uh but still i I think they're a middle of the road Big Ten team, and they get eviscerated in in, the, in at Joe Robbie, and then you turn around and understand uh, afterwards too that they barely beat Appalachian State, who's a good group of five team, but not great. So this is a Miami team that win doesn't look nearly as good now, and Florida was definitely a better football team uh, offensively and defensively than the Canes, and it showed. But Thomas, I wanted you to give your thoughts on kind of what you saw. So, for me, uh, I'm going to go on and mea culpa myself. I, when I kind of charted out this game, looking at the statistics and whatnot, ahead of the game, I never thought that Florida could get 250 yards rushing on this Alabama defensive unit. Of everything that was egregious from that performance yesterday – I mean that that just breaks how you think about a game. It's so you're so just crazy high in terms of what you're able to do when you rush for that many yards. But in terms of you know the game overall, I was absolutely a prisoner of the moment yesterday. Uh, thank heavens when the game starts, I basically punt my Twitter accounts into orbit so that I'm not being a jerk. But I, I'm in some text groups, and I was I was absolutely going ballistic. But then I woke up this morning, and I started thinking about the season as a whole. And one, Drew, you're absolutely right. Miami is bad. That that that's unequivocal. And Florida, frankly, the thing that Florida showed the first two games was not very similar to what they showed yesterday. And finally, the thing that we said on this program and I, I've said till the end of time this season was it's going to take time. Uh, if This is another one of Nick Saban's teams where essentially if you want to get Bama, 
get them before November because of all the new moving pieces. That's different than last year because Alabama was so senior-laden that even as they struggled, air quotes, with you know, Ole Miss, that wild shootout, and really was even not crazy efficient against the Missouri Tigers, Alabama was winning so comfortably that it's like, eh, okay, whatever, which is fine. But this is a more normal Nick Saban team, and that's okay. You know, there, there, there were always going to be some former fashion of struggle, and it just – I didn't think it was going to get to this point, but it has. Overall, defensively, I go back to, you know, get Alabama before November. And, you know, think about what this team saw. Because Alabama had such a senior-laden roster – they have a very young roster in a lot of places. Yes, the defense is veteran. This is a bad excuse for the defense. But on offense, I mean, some of the offensive linemen hadn't seen an environment that hostile in two and a half years. And that, that, that you saw that with the miscommunication. You saw that through, throughout. So for me, as a prisoner of the moment, drives me crazy. You know, the, the defense was was not well prepared. You can kind of excuse it because Florida did some things they hadn't shown. This was much, much, much more like the Mississippi State teams, but they hadn't even shown that they were going to be able to do much of that in the first two games. So, you know, that's kind of something with the defense. And everything's still coming together. I, I You would hope that... The, D, the team learns from this because, you know, this is, with the exception of should Alabama see Georgia, this is the most talented team and certainly the best coaching staff that Alabama will see before the college football playoff, with the exception of Georgia again. So, you know, for me, statistically, Florida should have won that game. But Alabama survived, put it in the win column, learned from it. Because suddenly, there's this really interesting situation going on with Alabama because this, the storyline is Alabama's mortal. Well, Ole Miss is off this upcoming week while Alabama's playing Southern Miss. And then Ole Miss comes to Tuscaloosa. And if chaos happens around them, Ole Miss can be a fringe top 10 team. And if you think for a second the hype for that game, Alabama being vulnerable, Lane Kiffin potentially being the first uh, staff member, former staff member to beat Nick Saban, and all of that other nonsense is not going to create an absolute feeding frenzy around that game. You've got another thing coming. But overall, Drew, I wish it hadn't had to be a wake-up call, but not being prisoner of the moment, it's kind of typical. That third, first month of the season with new pieces, parts, doing something that the players – hadn't really been able to prepare for for whatever reason, it turned into a struggle. And it's unfortunate, but the worst thing that could have happened, Alabama losing, did not happen. So survive in advance, and we're on to Southern Miss. No question. And I think we saw that this is a different offense. It's not quite as explosive. They did put some outstanding drives together, though, in this game. Uh, didn't Didn't eclipse 400 yards of offense, but I still thought Bryce was efficient, made good decisions. He only had one near pick, which was dropped uh, by Brayton Cox. But, William, I still like 
the fact uh, that we saw Jalil Billingsley come back. Uh, I, I had a funny feeling this was going to kind of be the game they were they were targeting to get him back heavily involved. I thought he did a decent job blocking, uh, you know, but that's not his strength. But they targeted him one time, and he made a great play. Really made the play look easier than it was. And going forward, hopefully he's going to be a big part of this offense. Yeah, and, you know, the the thing, I guess, that, that kind of surprised me more than anything, and, and, you know, thank God he didn't yeah. have his Steven Garcia or Johnny <laughs> yeah. Manziel moment, but Emory Jones played at a much, much consistent and higher level than I've ever seen him play before. And, uh, you know, that, that, that could be a dangerous offense in another couple of months once he, you know, gets some more – you know, games under his belt and gets more comfortable with what they're asking him to do. But, yeah, no doubt on, you know, getting Billingsley back, something that I saw a little bit of Saturday um, that I would like to see more of out of Bill O'Brien is uh, the tight end uh, in there is a lead blocker, uh, Robbie Outs or Oots, however you say yeah. his name. Oots. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. there, there's some potential there um, to do some nice things out of that formation, and I'd like to see more of it. Let yeah, me, I, let me jump in real quick. Speaking of Henry Jones, yep. the other player that might have played his best game in a Florida uniform was Brenton Cox, the transfer from Georgia. He's been a good player for Florida since he came there, but he hasn't been this wrecking crew. He was a machine yesterday. Like tons of credit to that guy for playing above above what he's shown. Five star talent really played like it yesterday. So. Florida gave Alabama their absolute best shot, and I think they're going to get better. But, you know, I still don't understand how you can't look at this game and not be, you know, pretty excited that Alabama got through it and everything's still in front of them. But go ahead, Drew. Yeah, I mean, they, certainly everything is still in front of them. You can't ever, you know, yeah, forget how, how hard it is to win. I mean, Nick Saban makes it look a, a lot easier just due to his – process and due to the consistency of the program but don't ever you know take for granted winning football games and there's a lot of people that haven't won in the swamp that would want to and Alabama you know took full advantage uh you know of the situation in some ways and uh and Florida left just enough meat on the bone for Alabama to escape and they did and and that's all that matters is surviving and advancing right now because it doesn't look like there's a great team in college football Georgia it certainly got off to a great start, but let's see what happens when their schedule gets a little more difficult because Clemson barely beat a freaking terrible Georgia Tech team. This is a team that uh, Georgia Tech that lost to Northern Illinois, and Northern Illinois gave up 65 to Michigan. So uh, again, there's going to be some tests down the down the road for Georgia. They're certainly playing at a very high level right now, but I, I would just say just let's be patient and see how all this works out uh, and see how Alabama, uh, you know, uh, gets better and adjusts going forward in this. And I will say I, I thought that Brian Robinson would get a game ball from me as well. I think he had 85 total yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I really liked what, you know, Bryce Young did in the game. I, I enjoyed seeing Jaleel Billingsley back out there. Uh, the one thing I was concerned about, William, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, and, uh, my guy Slade Bolden had a huge touchdown drop. But going into this first road game, I wanted to see how this wide receiver room reacted because Alabama's lost so much talent from there. 
And I still think that there was too many drops and missed opportunities. You know, uh, uh, John Mechie had a chance to bring in a ball inside the 20 on a deep ball, and he didn't do it. So far, I still think there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen from the wide receiver room, and I wondered what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I would say through three games, um, you know, Jamison Williams has kind of become the, the go-to guy. Um, and, and, you know, we need to see, you know, some of these younger players, you know, kind of step up and, um, you know, mature a little bit and get, get more involved in the rotation. Um, you know, was, I, I enjoyed watching, you know, my man, Jojo Earl. Um, I don't think he's Jalen Waddle, but he's in the same classroom. Um, but, yeah, they, they've got to get more con- – again, I'm not – on both sides of the ball yesterday, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen that many pass interference calls in one ball game in my life. Um, I mean, I mean, there was obvious pass interference, but those damn officials were quick to toss them out there too. Um, but, yeah, I think that's probably, you know, if you still have to take a wait-and-see attitude on that side of the football, I, I certainly say that the – you know, the offensive line and, and the wide receiver depth um, are two, you know, two position groups that's kind of still to be determined, um, you know, type deal. And, and like you said, where was Trey Sanders? Yeah, I was, I was, that was one thing I was mildly surprised at. I thought we'd see Trey as part of the offense. Uh, Brian Robinson even got hurt on his longest run of the day uh, in the first uh, quarter. And we saw Jace quite a bit, but, Never saw Trey Sanders. I was alerted by someone that maybe they're still not completely trusting him with his protection ability and it's a block, but we'll, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but certainly I was expecting to see more of him. I thought Brian and Jace both did some really good things. Both, of course, Brian scoring two touchdowns, Jace scoring one. My only concern, though, William, right now is, with, or my main concern with this offensive line, is they weren't able to get a lot of movement in the red zone. And, you know, you're depending a lot on a young quarterback and these receivers to make plays. They weren't getting a lot of movement at the point of attack, especially inside the five. No, they weren't. And, and you know, look, the you know, I think Florida's front seven, um, you know, played a big part in that. They're a talented group. I had totally forgotten about the Moon kid from Hoover High School. Yeah, uh, he's turned into a high school. <laughs> yeah, he's. He's turned into a nice player for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah, you're right. I, I started thinking that maybe he, he might be uh, getting ready to uh, uh, get it. I was joking with somebody that he's probably, by the time he leaves Florida, he's going to be Dr. Moon uh, as long as he's been there. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. he, he's certainly a nice player. You're right. Uh, and they didn't have Ventrell Miller, but some other guys for the Gators stepped up. I mean, I'll give them a lot of credit. I think their secondary played a little bit better than I thought it would, and, and, uh, they, and they were able to, you know, make some plays on Alabama, though Bryce, again, did not turn the ball over, which was huge in the outcome of this game. But, uh, and, and, William, I wanted to ask you this, though. You did mention the penalties in the secondary. Those bothered me quite a bit because I thought Alabama at times showed some poor technique, uh, you know, and poor tackling back there, weren't where they were supposed to be. And then Josh Job, who was in position, uh, on a fourth and six, and then in position, uh, you know, on a uh, on uh, a couple other times, he he keeps getting flagged for interference penalties when it looks like to me he's in good position and he's just grabbing guys and almost panicking. I was a little bit perplexed at the way he played yesterday. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly don't think through three games that yesterday was the secondary's, you know, best performance. Um, there again, I saw, excuse me, you know, some poor technique, um, you know, guys that, you know, had a chance to make a play that, you know, didn't. And, um, you know, it was just a – but there again, I mean, you know, what you saw yesterday, you know, is, is kind of – what's always given a Nick Saban defense problems, which is a, you know, a dual threat quarterback. And it's, it's just, you know, so hard to prepare for, um, you know, I, I don't know if, if uh, I'm assuming Milrow probably ran the scout team for him, um, you know, during the week, because I don't know if anybody else is down there that could give them that kind of look. But um, yeah, that, that just, you know, to me, Drew, um, you know, I think Anderson and Sanders was, were the stars of the defense yesterday. It was an off night for uh, number 10 and, and uh, uh, Christian Harris, too. Yeah, I thought the inside linebackers played their worst game. Uh, I, and, Thomas, I'll bring you back in. In your mind, you, you do a great job of crunching the numbers and everything. What did you think the biggest issue, though, was for the Alabama defense? I think Alabama so, – so here, here's the problem with defending option football. And one of the reasons I was confident going in is because Alabama did a great job against Mercer by and large. They had much more trouble with bombs as opposed to consistent option-type option football. But unfortunately, I mean, it was just like sometimes there was a loss of leverage or – they, it's like Alabama was so concerned about the option that they gave up so they gave up beef in the middle. And that made sense in the context of where Florida was really starting to do damage in the second quarter and into the third and fourth. But overall, it's the problem with option football is it's not something that you see a lot. Um, yeah, you'll see RPO-based stuff. But this was much more. This was much closer to true option football, where you have to have a guy built to take the pitch man, and you have a guy built to take the guy next to him. Uh, frankly, I agree with the Will Anderson thing because there were several plays that actually looked like they were going to be a problem. But Will Anderson, so athletic and talented, that not only could he take. <clears throat> Emory Jones is the pitch man. Emory Jones tried to pitch it inside on a shovel, and Anderson was able to adjust and stop it. So, you know, overall, it was it was just some struggles doing the proper technique when it comes to option football. The other part of it that 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 drives me crazy is I really did feel like, for whatever reason, it's like Alabama's defense lost its mojo. And for the first time all year, an opposing offense punched back. And they punched back hard. And it's, it, frankly, in a lot of cases, I felt like the defense kind of wilted. Um, and that's, that would be my only real concern. Alabama's defense is going to get better. I don't think it's worth losing one's mind over. But just overall, some poor technique and some what I would call – not the kind of response I would want to see if I'm an Alabama fan or an Alabama coach. Because as you said, Drew, the guy that was trying to lead is Bryce Young. And just briefly, 
anybody who's criticizing Bryce Young for that performance yesterday, Alabama only wins that game because Bryce Young consistently answered the bell every time it was necessary in the second half. That is the only reason that Alabama wins. Because, oh, and and when an astute fan says, well, how would you know that? Well, Alabama was up and could have made it a one-possession game. Alabama was looking to go for it on fourth and goal because Nick Saban knew his defense just didn't have it that day. And he was willing to lean on Bryce Young in the offense to go get himself a win. So there's a, there's a lot to take from that game, both offensively and defensively, that good, bad, and otherwise. We'll see, again, like I said before, uh, Ole Miss comes to town, and Ole Miss does RPO stuff, but that's more true RPO slant give versus triple option. So similar challenge, but different particulars. If Alabama's defense comes out and is more successful – well, we can say unequivocally that Alabama learned. But even if they're not, you have to feel pretty good if you're an Alabama fan that Bryce Young, in a crazy environment, went, you know, was completely nonplussed and was trying his damnedest to lead the football team to a win that he eventually secured, Drew. Yeah, and William, I wanted to bring you back in and piggyback off on leadership. Uh, you, you were part of Alabama teams with very strong leadership. You guys, of course, had it in. 1992 certainly to win the national championship how concerned should we be with and i and i and i I don't i think the coaches made some tactical errors yesterday but this also comes down to the players mindset the way they approach and then the leadership how concerned should we be about the leadership on this alabama football team right now you know man it's it's just I, i try and tell people this and this game um yesterday reminded me that you know we I think the 91 Florida game was six to nothing Florida at halftime. And then the, you know, the wheels just came off in the second half, but you know, that was the last game that we lost until I think November of my senior year in 93. And I think that that second half performance is kind of what triggered, you know, that, that team becoming what it became in, uh, in 1992. And, we kind of had the same issue um, in 93. We lost all the leadership from the year before. And then a lot of really good players got hurt. And um, so it, it, it's it's kind of a chemistry leadership, you know, either or or a combination of the two. I mean, look, the fact that Bryce is becoming the leader of that offense is a positive to me. I mean, the, the guy um, – you know, he's played a great three games of college football. I mean, I love his ability. You, you saw it again yesterday when he was scrambling around down there on about the 10-yard line and, you know, shuttle past the, the ball because he, he did have his eyes downfield. Um, you know, I thought that was a great, you know, great play on the move. But, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. And, and you know, I've, I've seen teams that were very successful. Um, you know, Rolando McClain – was a leader early in his career. You know, Dante Hightower was in that same position before he hurt his knee. Um, so, you know, it can happen. And I don't think it really matters where it comes from. And when I say where, I'm talking about which individuals. But, you know, you got to have, for, you know, a football team to be successful, you've got to have leaders. You've got to have that dog in the locker room that everybody's scared of, you know. Um, 
that, that, that kind of keeps people in check in the locker room. So, you know, we, we still are going to, you know, kind of remain to be seen who those guys are. Um, you know, you can tell that, that number number 10 um, is, is in the process of, of, you know, becoming one of those guys on defense. So, um, like I said, I, I don't – you know, I think y'all both, you know, put it well. And I totally agree. I mean, you know, we're spending all this time nitpicking that thing. But at the end of the day, when when the, you look back in December or January, I mean, getting out of there with the win is all that matters. Yeah, it is. Just surviving and advancing. Alabama is still number one in the country because of it. Maybe Florida is better than we thought. Can they, can they challenge Georgia? We certainly now have questions about Kentucky. They barely escaped Chattanooga after a lot of people were anointing them the second-best team in the SEC West. So that's far from decided, uh, no question about that. Uh, the one good thing, it looks like uh, that Alabama didn't suffer any major injuries in the game, which is good coming out of there. I think we even saw LeBron Ray for a few snaps. Hopefully his role is going to increase as well, uh, certainly. And as you said, I was surprised JoJo Earl didn't get, didn't get much of a chance in punt return, nor – catch a ton of passes I think he caught one but hopefully we're going to see his role expand going forward I mean no doubt about it but I think right now it's it's more I'm more I just I'm more uh excited slash uh you know just anticipating how this team gets better or worse because I think the last two weeks it, they they have they you know they've taken some steps back the old mantra is you get better you get worse and they certainly came out and played well against Miami, but now that's a little bit hollow. Uh, but as we said, just get the, get the W and move on. Now we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how Florida plays because they should have a lot of confidence after being able to go toe-to-toe with Alabama. But uh, it's funny, William, this is how far both programs have you know come in, in a way, and Florida's still on their way back, but how the, the shoe is on the other foot. I mean, it looked like to me that the Florida crowd, which was unbelievable, was was basically uh, giving Alabama, you know, uh, or giving their team uh, after their near win over Alabama. It was almost like a moral victory, and uh, that used to be the furthest thing from the truth uh, for Florida. They always came in expecting to win, but certainly I think they, they rightfully gave their team a lot of respect for the way they battled, but now we just have to see if Dan Bowen and crew can – take that momentum that they still have because they didn't even move anywhere in the and, and stay right there or if they're going to come out flat because Mullen has a tendency like he did with LSU at home last year to have a flat performance. But I'm going to be really interested to see how Alabama plays this next week. They're going to beat Southern Mississippi, but it's it, to me it's almost like what you mentioned, William. It's going to be looking at how they do it and then, you know, of course, getting ready for Lane Kiffin who had 700 yards of offense against uh, Tulane and now has two weeks to prepare for Alabama. Well, I, I got to be honest. I'm going get to get to the off week for Ole Miss in just a second. But, no, I, I don't think that Florida is back. Um, I certainly okay. think they're well on their way. Yeah. Um, they're going to have to start doing, you know, a better job of, of keeping the, you know, in-state talent at home. Um, you know, down there, I think, to, to, you know, become close to what they were, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but I, I will say this, I, I, you know, I was shocked 
at how effective they were on offense. But the, the biggest surprise to me is that was easily in all of his different jobs that he's had where Todd Grantham has coached against an Alabama offense. I thought that's the best job I've ever seen out of Todd Grantham. Um, he had those guys flying around and making plays. They were disruptive. But um, I kind of like where Alabama sits going into this old Miss game because, you know, especially after three or four games in, I think when you get an off week this time of the year, you know, the players tend to lose focus. You know, they go out and, you know, rummage around on the weekend, uh, on the off week. I like them having a quote-unquote, you know, tune-up game uh, before this game with, with Ole Miss. And don't get me wrong. You know, I, there's not a better guy in the business to watch that game and is going to watch the, you know, the tape for the next two weeks. Whatever the deficiencies and the holes are in the Alabama defense, Lane Kiffin's going to find them and try and exploit them. Yeah, that's very true, William. And, uh, and Thomas, I'm going to bring you back in. Do we expect Alabama to, to uh, you know, try to uh, go back to the drawing board defensively? Uh, that certainly, they've got to improve on assignments and fundamentals, but uh, and uh, I think that's more important than maybe adding a wrinkle or two against Ole Miss, who's going to be you know the best offense they've that they've faced. No disrespect to Florida, who did one hell of a job, but I think we all understand that Ole Miss offense is on a different level. Uh, as William stated, they do get that tune-up against Southern Miss and Will Hall, first-year head coach, next week, but uh, you. What are your thoughts on what we might see out of Alabama defensively? And uh, I, I don't think, you know, at this point in time, you're going to be able to reinvent the wheel. They may get, they'll probably uh, try to change up some looks uh, for uh, the, uh, against Ole Miss for the Rebels. But my thing is this, you want, you want Alabama to play with confidence. What do you think needs to be the move made to get this Alabama defense to shake off this performance and get back to playing? like we saw the first two weeks, even though obviously those opponents were inferior. Well, I, I I think the Alabama defense is not broken. Right. And you, you read a lot of the chatter where folks essentially say, you know, Helms is bad, so we need to get someone else in there. And, you know, Kool-Aid McKinstry is awesome. And, you know, you go just down the list, but I don't think the Alabama defense needs to reinvent itself. I think they had a poor game, and that's not good. But at the same time, so what? I, I the, all we're talking about in terms of things that are different to me is little stuff, little technique things, little things that are eminently correctable in the film room. And, you know, where I finally get annoyed, and I am going to I'm gonna just say this, I'm not going to name names, there, there's this weird belief in the fan base that every time Alabama struggles, the, 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 you just have to wholesale rip everything apart and rebuild it. And I don't understand it because in order to make that argument, one of the baked-in assumptions is you, Johnny Fan, know more about this Alabama Crimson Tide football team than the brain trust that is around these guys every day and sees how they practice and see how, sees how they prepare. And, you know, as, as folks go on and say, you know, XYZ player is bad, 
Well, let's see what the grades say, because every time we talk about XYZ player graded really graded poorly on pro football focus, well, okay, but then the coaching staff grades come out, and in many cases, it's different. So overall, Drew, it's unfortunate. I wish that Alabama had ha- the Alabama defense had had a more complete game because that's not going to be the last time that this team is pushed by another good football team. But I'm only going to get concerned if we're down through the middle of October heading into November and we're still having this same discussion. I personally don't think that's going to happen. I think that the Alabama fan base should still be excited with what the product that's being put on the field. Is it going to get better? Absolutely. Did it struggle on Saturday? Absolutely. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. All of this stuff is fixable. And this is the wake-up call that you want. That is, And it's not the first time that Alabama has played a game and they've gotten kicked in the teeth and then they've come out and been awesome. So I'm I'm personally not worried about it, Drew. Well, you well, brought about. up a great point too, Thomas. Go ahead. Uh, one second. Go yeah, ahead. Uh, Thomas brings a great point up. We were still having these same conversations every Sunday up until November of last year about the Alabama defense. And then all of a sudden, poof, they all went away. Right. Um, and I was I was just sitting here thinking while y'all were t- while Thomas was talking when when I started thinking about man, you know. How far – and it wasn't just Brett Favre. Curly Holman and Jeff Bauer had some really good football teams. Man, Southern Miss football has just fallen into the abyss. Huh. Right. Right. That's a great point because, William, you played against some of the better Southern Miss teams ever. And it, in, back in those days, I thought they were good enough to play in the SEC. Uh, they certainly beat enough good teams that way. Uh, but – you know, uh, Alabama, I, I, Alabama, Auburn, and FSU in one calendar year. Yeah, that's right. That's completely. I I totally remember that. Yeah, they they beat many SEC teams and uh, and Florida State back when they were a powerhouse under under Bobby Bowden. They were very very dangerous, no question about it. And William, I guess what my question to you is: as they head into this contest with Southern Miss. There's been a lot of questions about the offensive line and if there'll be some shuffling. I still think right tackle is really the biggest main question mark. I know the guard struggled yesterday, uh, but we've seen Alabama offensive lines under Nick Saban struggle early and then get rolling. Uh, What are your thoughts on the O-line? What do you expect to see on Saturday uh, against an overmatched Southern Miss team as they prepare uh, you know, for Ole Miss going forward. Don't be some preparation for Ole Miss this week. I promise you that. Um, right, right. But but they're not going to overlook Southern Miss. But they, they will, you know, there'll be some periods where the players are like, wait a second, this isn't the defense that Southern Miss runs. <laughs> um, right. But the, the, the thing, I think, you know, if you're going to make the change, whoever the change may be, this is certainly the week to do it starting tomorrow. Um, don't know if they're ready to make that decision just yet, but, you know, I, I certainly think the conversation has taken place based on the body of work at, at right tackle so far. And there, you don't see, um, you know, I mean, you saw it a little bit with Miami and, and Mercer, but, you know, you, you didn't see any shuffling yesterday. And I agree. I, I think it was 
you know, more than just the right tackle. You know, um, Dalcourt and uh, was not Dalcourt and Ekior's best game ever either. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think it's time to push the panic button. Like you, you and Thomas have already said, I mean, you've got some of the, you know, best, you know, football coaches in the country down there that are paying a lot of money to figure this solution out. And I feel like, oh, God, what my, the place I watched the game yesterday um, was one of my buddies wasn't sold on the Bill O'Brien hire back back in the wintertime. And so now he's moved on to he doesn't think that Bill O'Brien's a very good recruiter. And I said, look, I've never met the man in my life. I don't know if he's got a dynamic personality or if he's a dud. But either or. When you're talking to the top, you know, quarterbacks in the country, he can be a he can have a terrible personality and be like, "Hey, who do you want to call tonight? You want to call Brady or Billichek? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get them on three way, and they can talk to you. And oh, by the way, if you you know want me to get you an interview with with Bob Kraft, you can go to work for Kraft Foods when football's over for you. I mean, that's 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 a tough threesome to overcome, even if you're not the greatest salesperson in the world. Yeah, that's a great point. There's still so many, so much experience, and I do. I don't worry about the recruiting aspect. I think they're going to be fine. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, uh, there, there's been some concern with Freddie Roach, but we'll see how that works its way out. But I, I still think that uh, recruiting will uh, still is going to be on an elite level, and this is going to be more about you know getting the confidence back of this defense coming up on Saturday against Southern Miss. Uh, getting, making sure guys are in the right place, making sure you wrap up. And in a way, this is good because, uh, you know, th- this football team knows they're not impenetrable anymore. They know they're not unbeatable. They know they're fortunate to escape, but hopefully this is going to allow some leadership to uh, certainly ev- uh, evolve and develop because there's going to be a lot of people that think that they're vulnerable and think that, uh, that Alabama might go down against uh you know old miss in a couple weeks but certainly they're going to take care of southern mississippi we understand that they're not going to overlook them they can't you can't overlook anyone when there's not when it's just not an uh there's not doesn't seem to be a great team in college football but i will say this i think uh you know that uh, that alabama uh, you know right now is still one of the more talented teams in the country they're fortunate that they're that they're starting to get healthier and get some guys back, especially a LeBron Ray. We'll hopefully see his, uh, you know, uh, his role increase. But William, one of the last things I wanted to ask you before we wrap up, too, I saw Dallas Turner in the game late. I think Jalen Moody needs to play more. I think we saw Braswell as well. I think, and Nick Saban kind of referenced it in his comments at the end of the game. Uh, there, you know, especially playing seventy plus snaps in a game. And in that kind of environment in the swamp, I think Alabama going forward as they have a huge road trip coming up to Texas A&M, they're going to have to play some more defensive guys and kind of expand that palette, get some guys some experience. Maybe even uh, Marcus Banks, who was not at the game. There was some, I'm, I was speculating a little bit he may have had COVID because he played very well last week. And then Kool-Aid McKinstry, I think they need to get some more defensive guys involved and playing on this on this uh, unit. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen enough of a sample size to make much comments about Dallas Turner, but I have on Braswell. 
And yeah. he's he's gonna be he's gonna be a guy that, that's gonna help this team. Um, there's not a huge drop off, especially in a game like yesterday, where you know he, he was asked to do multiple things against that option attack. And you can tell he's a real real fluid athlete in space. puts his puts his foot in the ground and can change directions on the dime. Um, you know, still needs to. I think he gets a little bit too comfortable with just beating somebody on a speed rush. Um, you know, with that, I still don't think he's developed the counter moves um, as, a, as a pass rusher, but he's well on his way. And that's good to see. You know, I think we kind of saw him have, you know, I, I feel stupid for saying this, but he kind of had a breakout performance, you know, in the spring game when everybody was out with the COVID. And uh, so he's, he's built on that and, and, you know, it's really starting to make an impact and be a valuable backup. Yeah, he really is. And, uh, William, before I get Thomas's final thoughts, how do you see this game, or how do you expect them to approach Southern Mississippi? As you said, it's not the same Golden Eagle program that we've seen in the past. It's been really good. Uh, but they certainly have to take them seriously and have to take care of business and, and be as healthy as possible heading into Oxford to, to play offense in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I knew what you meant. Um, you know, I think they just need to – you know, come out and execute, um, you know, improve on the, the poor tackling performance. Um, you, you know, it's it's not the end of the world. This is a game where, you know, hopefully it's in hand halfway through the third quarter and we can see some of those names um, like we've talked about. Because, yeah, I, I don't think Kool-Aid played very much at all yesterday. And he's a guy that, that I think, yeah. you know, needs a larger role on the, in that secondary. And um, you know, hopefully those those kind of guys like Braswell and Turner and Kool Aid, you know, if, if they take care of business, um, you know, maybe they get to play the whole fourth quarter Saturday. And to me, that's what this game is best for: is is getting those young guys experience, getting them some confidence. Um, you know, inserting those guys down at the swamp and a in a nail biter is not the best way to get them confidence in a lot of instances. But this weekend's game is. Yeah, it is. And Thomas, your thoughts on what you expect to see against Southern Mississippi? We know we're we're strongly expecting a a, a big win for Alabama just due to the opponent, and of course, uh, you know, and, and the uh, the talent differential. But uh, what does your, your you know your gut tell you? And then as Alabama's uh, you know trying to uh, stay sharp in in what in and what is working and what is developing now into probably one of the three or four biggest tests of the season against the Rebels. So this, to me, is a get-right game. It's a chance for Alabama against an overmatched opponent to come out, cure some of the ills that Florida exposed, get quality reps up and down the depth chart. I'm very similar to William in that I do hope you know, we're looking at it halfway through the third quarter. It's, you know, 35-3, 35-7, something like that, or even more than that. And we start seeing heavy-duty rotation. I do think that some of the stuff that I'd like to see is let your Paul Tysons and your Jalen Milrose run the offense. You know, let them do it because, you know, that's one thing we haven't seen. It's a little thing, but I'd be interested in seeing it. And, you know, the biggest takeaway from the weekend for me, Drew, this past weekend, is there really isn't a head and shoulders better, more elite team out there. 
I think you can certainly argue that Georgia has looked really, really good and that Georgia defense is going to travel. But if you really want to talk about that, you know, we're, we're killing what we're killing Miami and they deserve to be killed. They have looked horrific through three weeks. Clemson hasn't done a lot more, a lot m- much more than that. And if you really want to dig in, if you want to peel that onion back, and this is such a stretch, so don't take this as hard-hitting analysis. Georgia Tech played that Clemson defense better than Georgia did because Georgia Tech failed on a fourth and goal at the end of the fourth quarter where they would have beaten Clemson yesterday. So every team has warts, and it's going to come down to the coaching staff. Can they get? Can coaches get personnel in the right positions to have success in high leverage moments? And if you had told me going into week four of this year, at worst, I have to trust Nick Saban and crew to fix some of the warts that were exposed over the first three weeks, well, shoot, I'll just take a Coke. You know, I think this is going to be a great get-right game. And, yeah, I think game day is going to be at the at – uh, in Tuscaloosa for Bama Ole Miss. I think the hype is going to be off the charts, and there are going to be some people that pick Ole Miss to upset Alabama. If I, f- I feel like I say this all the time. What happens when you underestimate Alabama? Well, Alabama generally comes out pissed off, executes at a very high level, and reminds the world that, hey, Alab- Nick Saban's still here. Alabama is still Alabama. And again, that's a great spot to be in after a tough win down in Gainesville, Drew. It is, and uh, to close out the show, uh, you know, I just want to say that I, I think we've been for game three last year was Ole Miss, and the defense was shredded, and so uh, and there was a lot of improvement that needed to happen, which did, as you heard William reference earlier in the conversation earlier in the show. Uh, by November, this defense was better. Even though there's a lot of experience coming back on this defense, there's still some guys, uh, you know, that are in different roles a little bit, and you still are ingratiating a Henry Toa Toa who had his worst game but still was active, certainly. Christian Harris played very well, I thought, against Mercer, did not play well this past week. He needs to have a bounce-back game. Uh, and, I, and, of course, you've got Will Anderson, who wasn't 100% but was close and played well, and you'll have him. And, you, and I think what William – brought up a great point is the development of Drew Sanders has been a positive. You lose a guy like Chris Allen, but he has stepped in there. Now it's time to see some other younger guys, uh, hopefully you'll see against Southern Mississippi, gain confidence, make plays. I think it's going to be about a 45 to, to 7 game. I think Alabama's going to dominate Southern Miss, but you just want to come out of it heavy. You want to come out of it confident. You want to get the offensive line going, get the running game going because you know Regardless, you're going to have to score points against Ole Miss, and it's going to be your best opponent, even better probably than Florida, because the Ole Miss defense is still not great, but it's improved. And so, and this is not the same offense we saw from Alabama a year ago. They're not as explosive. So, but still, there's a lot of growth for this Alabama team to have. And again, don't ever take for granted winning. Alabama now has won eight in a row against the Florida Gators. That's the tied for the longest streak in the series. It's an unbelievable accomplishment for Alabama. I got to give them a lot of credit uh, for being able to go into that environment and win with a younger football team. But and William made a great point too. There's a lot of veterans on this coaching staff. 
that have been through the fires in the NFL and in college football. So uh, it's, I'm going to be interested to see the approach they take with the players and how the players uh, come out against Southern Mississippi and then, uh, you know, are get ready for Ole Miss, which is going to be a huge challenge. But, again, a 31-29 Alabama win, 3-0 on the season, 1-0 in the SEC. You take it, you survive it. And I, like I said, Bryce Young, uh, Brian Robinson, Jaleel Billingsley, to me, were bright spots on offense. And then certainly uh, on defense, there wasn't a lot of them. But Jalen Armour Davis, Drew Sanders, I think those guys, and Will Anderson's effort, I think he he's a guy that needs to, even though he's only a sophomore, he and Bryce both, they need to start kind of taking the bull by the horns as part of the leaders on this team, even though they're young, it's tough. Due to their just uh, and, and their stature, need to start trying to kind of lead this football team a little bit. But it's been another great show. Really appreciate everybody for tuning in and getting our thoughts on Alabama football after this 3-0 start. We'll be with you next Sunday to analyze Southern Miss and look ahead to that huge challenge in Tuscaloosa against the uh, Ole Miss Rebels. They haven't announced the TV time for it yet. Almost certainly it'll probably be the CBS game. Pull up and we know. But again, uh, we thank you for listening and supporting us. Good night, everybody, on this Sunday, and roll tide.